Hello, welcome to the D&D Roundtable presented by The Tome Show. I'm your host, James Intracasso. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. So today, we are continuing our discussion of the codename Morningstar Kickstarter, and our panelists come from track door technologies themselves uh and so here today to answer some questions about the kickstarter and clear a few things up say hello to rachel aka hobo the delightful and (laughs) and say hello to chris matney longtime friend of the show at least for a few months now A.K.A. C.M. the D.M. or G.M. depending on on what's happening. So guys, we'd like to kick things off here on the roundtable with a little get-to-know-you question. And I would like to know, what games are you playing right now? Tabletop, video games, anything like that. Rachel, tell us what you're playing. So right now, I am playing the hell out of Dragon Age Inquisition. Uh, I've been a pretty big Bioware fan for a while, loved Mass Effect. Couldn't really get into the other Dragon Age games because Skyrim stole my heart and ran away with it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm pretty deep into uh, Dragon Age right now. I'm playing a rogue. I started out with archery, wanting it to be like the Skyrim archery experience, and it so totally wasn't, so I switched to dual-wielding stealth attack, stab you in the back, which is great for me. So I love it. It's good. That sounds so badass. Uh, yes. That's awesome. I haven't gotten to play it yet, but uh, everything I see and read looks amazing. So I really want to get my hands it's on really, it. It's a really deep in- experience. It's It's been great so far. And the other thing, uh, we just got Cards, of Hu- Cards Against Humanity, which is always you know a holiday favorite. Um, <laughs> so we got that, and, and we've been playing a little bit of Love Letters, too, which is an awesome, fun, quick little three- to four-person card game. Um, so when we get time off from the Kickstarter, we go have a beer at the pub and, and play some love letters. Chris, what games are you playing right now? Uh, uh, well, we have our long running, uh, D and D uh, and, Pathfinder and, uh, Savage Worlds games running. So I do a, uh, Victorian steampunk Cthulhu, uh, Savage Worlds game. It's a series of one night stands where, uh, the players are playing the investigators in uh, the King of Clubs in London, trying to stop the uh, nefarious haunting hand. So that's always good for uh, some some pandemonium and pulpy pulpy horror fun uh, over the holidays. So that's uh, one of the uh, the games I'm running. I'm also running my traditional <coughs> uh, fantasy role playing game, uh, my my setting called the Realm, which I know is an original, but hey, I came up with it. 40 years ago. And uh, we, we, we're still having a, a good time uh, moving, the, moving the story line along in, in that game as well. So um, I've really got those two things going on the role-playing side. Uh, playing a lot of Magic recently. Um, mm. It's always been a, a longtime favorite. And with the holidays coming up, we have uh, family and friends coming in who are not uh, as avid board gamers and gamers as we are. So we, we usually introduce those people into the German Euro game. So I did a, um, uh, a pandemic day for Doctors Without Borders, um, which was very cool. We raised some money for, uh, for that cause. And over the holidays, I'll be introducing my, uh, my nephew 
uh, my brother-in-law, my mom, and whoever else will sit still long enough into whatever games uh, we can get them to uh, to play. I've been uh, I just picked up a copy of Kingsburg. I realize it's been out for a while, um, and I've got a new copy of uh, the Lords of uh, of Shadow Deep. So I've got lots of games to play, and uh, just need some time to crack them open. Absolutely, but you guys are pretty busy right now. Uh, you have your recently launched Kickstarter, which we covered last week on the show. But before we get to the specifics of the Kickstarter and a lot of the questions that I have about that, let's talk about Codename Morningstar. Anybody out there who is listening to this podcast who may not know what it is or is who looking to have what the specifics are cleared up, Tell us, give me the broad strokes, what is Codename Morningstar? What makes it different from any other product out there? Well, I, th- I think the, the, the big thing uh, for me is this is the, 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 a- the application that I've been wanting to build for years. Um, so I am a, a player. I'm also a game master, and I'm also a game designer. I, I like to, uh, to, to wear all three hats. And one of the frustrations I've always had with uh, the applications that are available um, is that they, they're not really integrated. Um, they don't provide much in the way of an improved gameplay experience. And so uh, what, am I, what I mean by that is we're sitting around the table and we're really looking for maximizing the amount of time we role play uh, maximizing the time we push minis around uh, and minimize the time, amount of time we spend uh, watching people look up rules, uh, look up spells, search for a book, look for the old version of their character, try to figure out what was the name of the blacksmith in the town that we visited two weeks ago, two months ago, or two years ago. Um, and so the whole concept around <clears throat> Morningstar really was born out of the fact that a single application should be able to provide me as a player the ability to roll up characters quickly. I don't want to spend 45 minutes going through the detailed every little screen. I want to do it quickly. I want to do it simply, and I want to be able to uh, play. Um, and so the uh, the character generation is very, very fast. Um, if you are a total geek and you want to min-max every single stat, you can still do that. But if you want to come in or you have kids who want to play for the first time over the holidays who have never played and who are looking at a pile of rule books going, no, um, putting them in front of, of an app that's, that, that looks like an Excel spreadsheet uh, you know, with a, a relational database backend is not going to get them excited. Uh, they're, the, the, the kids are from the, the tablet age. They want a mobile-designed game that allows them to quickly get into the, uh, into the uh, action. So on the, on the character side, it really is about uh, also keeping my notes in place, being able to level up, and having everything updated across all the platforms when I need it. Uh, from the game master's perspective, you know we're really looking to make the game prep faster. Um, I, you know, I, I always have a lot of time to uh, uh, to play, but I don't always have a lot of time to prep. And so I want my prep to be the maximum efficiency. I want to be able to quickly take my notes. I want to be able to tweak things that I want to be able to tweak. And I want to be ready to go in a, in a few hours. If I'm creating something, I don't want to be copying stat blocks over. I want to be able to click the stat block for the monsters there. I'm moving on to being creative and trying to come up with a way to uh, kill my uh, players in the most entertaining way possible. And so really what we're trying to do with, with the application is uh, leverage the power of the, the tablet, make it so that 
Um, we all get back those few hours of prep time or those few hours around the gaming table that are lost right now to the mundane task of bookkeeping and really focus it on storytelling and fun and, and role playing. Um, and I think that's, that's something that no one else has done. Certainly no one else has done anything like this with a mobile paradigm. Um, I mean, there are character generators out there. Um, there are uh, tools out there if you want to do virtual tabletops and spend hours working on a particular room to have it just perfect for figures. But in the end, that's a miniatures game. That's not a role-playing game. And you need to be able to tell the entire story. You need to be able to to, to uh, drill down to all of those levels of detail, both at the adventure and the campaign, uh, very quickly and, and very seamlessly. So, you know, we're an integrated uh, publishing company. Uh, we know how to make enhanced uh, products that really allow the uh, the reader, or in this case, the, the GM, to uh, to tell a good story, and that's what we're focused on trying to provide. We heard an announcement today that uh, Lone Wolf, um, probably about an hour and a half before we recorded this podcast, Lone Wolf, who makes Hero Lab and Realmsworks, are right. going to um, you know be supporting Fifth Edition, provided the OGL allows them to, um, which is uh, something that you plan on in your Kickstarter as well. That provided the OGL allows it, you would like to support Fifth Edition. Uh, you know, the folks at Lone Wolf already support Pathfinder and a lot of the other systems that you guys have hinted at or said you would like to support as well. So the question is. You know, Hero Lab allows you to build characters. Realmworks helps you do a lot of your campaign tracking and that sort of thing. If you have PDFs from the folks at Paizo, you can do a quick search on them. What makes Trapdoor's codename Morningstar app different from the stuff that I can already get from Lone Wolf, different from downloading a PDF? Like, what is the difference then? Why do we need code name Morningstar when we already have all these other products that are out there? That's a good question. So I guess uh, uh, on a lone wolf announcement, um, you know, we're all waiting to find out what the, 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 the fifth edition OGL terms are going to be um, not to take anything away from the lone wolf folks, but our, our app is already designed and built. Um, if the OGL uh, let's us release what we've got. Awesome. Um, if we have to tweak things, which is undoubtedly what will happen, we will, we will do that. But, um, you know, we'd already designed the entire app for uh, fifth edition. Um, it was ready to go. So um, that would be awesome news for us. And I think it would give you know players out there uh, several different uh, uh, tools to choose from. And so we're all sort of waiting to, to hear what the, the answer is as well. So I think that, um, you know, the reception to fifth edition D&D has been very positive. Um, the books are beautiful. We've all bought our books. We have them on our bookshelves, just like we we knew we would. Um, but now it comes down to the to the point of uh, let's have some apps out there that will help us play the game and uh, help streamline that process. And so that's what we're really excited about. So um, I guess uh, the Lone Wolf announcement is exciting for us simply because we're hoping that that means that Wizards is closer to making a, a public announcement about a fifth edition OGL. Um, to answer the second part of the question, which was, uh, you know, how, do, how does having a pile of PDFs and um, a character generator and a, uh, a tool that'll let me do some, 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 some adventure management and mapping. Um, how is that different than what we're doing? Well, the, the first thing is, is that a PDF is, is just, it's worse than a book. 
um, <laughs> if you've ever had to search for through a PDF to find something. It's great if you know exactly what you need to find, but there's no context. So it just does you know a very simple search and uh, gives you, here's the first instance, here's the second instance, here's the third instance. It doesn't help you crossing multiple PDFs. Uh, it doesn't help you actually put into context uh, where you want uh, the searches to be done. So, I mean, the PDF is just, you know, um, it's it's just a convenient way to have a paper book, but it's actually, in my in my mind, easier to flip through a paper book than it is to flip through a PDF. Um, the other thing is, is with with products like with like like Hero Labs and uh, Roamworks, you're still talking about needing to cobble a bunch of stuff together to make it work. Um, and it's not because the, the 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 tools aren't good, and it's not because I haven't used them and I don't own them. Um, but the the real answer is we have a huge advantage. We're a mobile uh, company. We were designed the the entire the entirety of the Morningstar application has been designed with the mobile paradigm in mind, and so we have one integrated product. Everything works together. Um, everything is uh, in an application, and you don't need to flip between a lot of screens and worry about what kind of platforms you're on and all the other things where the data is being stored and all the other things that you know come up when you're trying to put a, a number of pieces of technology together. Uh, you know, I, I've worked. I worked in IT for 30 years before starting Trapdoor, and um, systems integration was one of the areas that I covered. And no matter how much you work to make two disparate systems work together, there's always going to be things that you have to clue and and workarounds that you have to deal with. And it's just not the same as a system that's designed from scratch to do that. So I think that that's one of the big advantages that we have going into into the mix. The other thing is is that we're not focused on uh, character generation. We're not focused on uh, mechanics. We're focused on storytelling. And so the interactive features in the uh, application that let me uh, quickly do a dive. Let's say I'm reading along and all of a sudden I get to a passage about um, a town that may or may not uh, be further discussed in the in the application. So a quick a quick link will show me whether it's in the application, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's linked on the internet and I have to go out to a fan site or out to uh, the SRD site to, to get the information. Um, that's something that we do and it's all baked into the, into the DNA of our story machine. So all those links are created automatically. We don't have to go in and hand code everything that happens. And so all of a sudden now you've opened up the application. It's no longer what's in this particular PDF document or what's in my rules database, but it's what's in the world that uh, is going to be in context valuable to me. So there's so many things that you can do with an application designed uh, from scratch, from the ground up with that in mind that you just simply can't do uh, refactoring an application that's been around for a number of years. Gotcha. So one of my big takeaways from what you just said is that it sounds like everything's in one place and you guys are designing something really for a tablet um you know you're not gonna have to bring a laptop to the table uh and people can even use it on their phones if they need to that sort of thing which which seems to be a really cool part of the design like you said you're not going to have to have multiple pdfs open and then maybe you're searching through one hard copy book that you also have that sort of thing so it's going to make uh your management and everything as a DM a lot easier. Sounds like a lot easier to improv on the fly as well. Um, yeah, uh, a, a perfect story. Uh, I was invited to go back to an alpha group that we'd, we'd played with uh, early back in sort of May, June, April, May, June. Hadn't, been, hadn't seen the guys for a while. 
and they said, Hey, come down and, and, and run a game with us. And we want to see what, uh, see what you've done with, uh, with Morningstar recently. And so I walked into the evening and I had my tablet and that was it. And they said, well, where's all the rest of your stuff? Cause they're, these people are used to seeing me call it, calling boxes of stuff with me to every game. It's like, this is it. I got what I need. And so I, I could tell there was some skepticism. <laughs> um, and then we had a, a great evening. I, I killed lots of people. They, they, they did, they did wonderfully. They figured out all the, the, the tough muscles, uh, beer was consumed. And at the end of the night, I shut off my my uh, iPad and walked out. And it was kind of an aha moment for me in that, wow, I really don't need anything except the iPad and I have all the information I need. All the rules are there. I use the dice roller, you know, and all of that. And, and for the people who are playing, there was also that aha moment. One of the guys um, is trying to get his kids into the game, said that now that, that they can play with Morningstar, they're really into it. They weren't into it before with the books. And um, there was this comment, hey, why don't we go camping and just play with our iPads? We can do role playing around the campfire because we no longer need anything else. And, you know, so it was kind of a fun, lighthearted moment. But uh, you kind of start to think then about all the the possibilities once you become untethered from, you know, all the things that you uh, you don't need to play the game. Now, does that mean I'm going to throw my 6,000 miniatures away? No. Um, and does that mean I'm not going to use my projection system? No. But it means that at its heart, all I need is the is the, the tablet. And someone said, well, did you bring your charger? I said, no. If my iPad runs out of juice, I'll just use my phone because all I have to do is log in with my phone and off you go. So, you know, there's there, it's 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 just a different way to think about it. And it's kind of hard to get your, your mind wrapped around it. But um, it's a pretty powerful statement if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly as a guy who during the fourth edition days loved about 30 books back and forth to all different places. Uh, I, I would be glad to have everything in one central location. I would love to hear about the, the Pathfinder SRD, which is sort of what you're planning on supporting at launch. It sounds like you have plans to support other systems as well down the road. Uh, can you talk about why you chose the Pathfinder SRD? Um, it seems to me that Pathfinder obviously is a super popular system right now um, and, and would be great way. it would be a great way to get support for the Kickstarter, but it's also something that already has a lot of products designed for it. So what was the thinking behind we're going to go after Pathfinder first and then we'll hit up other stuff down the road? Well, it's a good, it's a good question. Um, it was, well, I, I, I like Pathfinder. I played Pathfinder for years. And when we were initially uh, looking to companies to, uh, um, to, to target for building the application, uh, Paizo was on the top of my list and the, the reason was really twofold. One is that if, if you play a lot of Pathfinder, you know, once you get to 10th, 11th, 12th level, you, you can't do it anymore. Uh, it's just the game is too complex. And even us hardcore grognards want to have more than one battle in an evening. Um, and so um, the Pathfinder is an awesome system. Um, and I've played it for many years, um, but I would love to be able to have a tool that made it a little simpler in making those calculations so that I can get through those battles more quickly and get on to some more role-playing in the evening. And so 
hey, that's exactly what Morningstar does. So I think that that was sort of one of the one of the pieces of the puzzle. Also, we're looking for uh, lots of lots of adventure content, and obviously, there's a lot of content uh, built for the Pathfinder system, both by Paizo but also by others. So I think there's going to be a, a good um, support for the independent publishing and the uh, uh, that the homebrew publishing for um, for the for the game. Um, so the, the complexity is one. The depth of the rules uh, is another. And I, I think it just made sense. It was close to what 5th edition is. So the refactoring for the game engine, uh, which which we call the expert system, uh, was not as extensive as it would be to say, let's let's say go to Savage Worlds, which has you know a very different, it's not a D20-based structure. It is a very different set of rules. So um, Pathfinder also provided us with a... Uh, um, an easy transition route from going from fifth edition. Um, that said, uh, I would love to support a lot of different systems. There's some great systems out there. Uh, and I think that um, the flexibility of the tool will be brought out by having uh, those uh, other systems supported by future versions uh, of Morningstar. So we have to start somewhere. Uh, Pathfinder, uh, seemed like a good good starting point for those reasons, but I think that uh, we've already had interest from other companies looking to have their systems uh, brought into uh, the Morningstar family, and uh, obviously Fifth Edition is an easy one if the if the uh, um, open gaming will allow it, and we'll see where it goes. I mean, we'll go where people say they they need help. Uh, can you talk about what some of those other systems might be that you're hoping to support down the road, and maybe people you've talked to? I don't know if you, if you follow us on Twitter, you can probably see some of the people that we've been interacting with and, and asking, you know, Hey, can we get a contact email? Let's set up a time to talk. So I think it's, it's a fairly a to B to C if you're a role player, like, you know, the companies that we're talking to. (laughs) Yes. And since you guys probably can't say it, I'll say that I definitely saw on Twitter, uh, you reach out to the people at Pelcrane press to talk to them about 13th age. Um, so, which I know is a big one for a lot of people out there right now. So, you know, and, and hopefully, uh, that sort of thing that obviously there's open gaming license for a lot of systems out there, a lot of D20 based systems out there, um, that you could get started with. And then maybe down the road, we see more things like Savage Worlds or Fate that might be able to come online. Yeah. We've um, had a lot of requests for the Star Wars, the Fantasy Flight Star Wars thing. Mm-hmm. It's fun. And I think which is one of the things, as you were saying that, James, one of the things that comes to mind for me when I think that, you know, yes, 13th Age is technically an open open license system, um, and anybody can kind of get into that. But where where we're coming from is that we want to create relationships with these people and, and with these companies and really produce a, a super awesome, integrated, final product kind of thing, not just kind of a hack together schlotchky thing. I, I gotcha. You don't want to half ass it. <laughs> we don't want to full ass it. We want to full we want to be fully assed in in this exercise. So um that's why we're re- we're taking our time and we're talking to people and we want to see it through and we want it to be something that we just don't we don't patch it together and put it out there. It's something that continues to receive support. It continues to receive, you know, updates, all that kind of stuff. So we don't want to just pick something up and drop it. We want it to be a an experience. So if we're going to do another role playing system, we're going to we're going to do the whole thing. We're not going to just 
Gotcha. Well, let's talk about one of my favorite and most intriguing points that I'm reading about in the Kickstarter, which is sort of this, I guess, adventure store, uh, a place where people can uh, pick up a lot of adventures from independent designers. And it sounds like you're even going to allow people to uh, sell their own stuff on there at some point eventually. In fact, if you go donate $1,000 to the Kickstarter right now, you can be one of the people who gets their first adventure uh, into the codename Morningstar app. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you think this part of the app is going to work? Will I be able to, if I buy an adventure from the store, will I be able to hack it up and mod it myself in the app? Um, Tell me a little bit about it. Well, yeah, so that's a great question. Um, One of the things that, that we were not able to do um, as Dungeonscape under the, the, the Wizards license was uh, really engage the community in, in the uh, storytelling and the adventure writing uh, piece of the puzzle. Um, and and that, that, that's understandable. Um, it, you can imagine what, uh, what Wizards uh, has as far as processes in place to protect the brand and make sure that, that, that everything meets to their standards. But um, one of the visions that I've always had is there are great stories out there that, that people have to tell and they, they just don't have a forum to tell them in. And so one of the things that, that I've envisioned since the very beginning was this ability to, to engage the community. So uh, when we moved on from the fifth edition uh, to where we are now, one of the things that we're asking for for the Kickstarter is money to fully flush out the publishing side of the, the, the application so that it can do exactly what we want. So right now we have this product called the Story Machine, which I've, I've mentioned a couple of times, and that'll take uh, uh, content. It will automatically link content. It will allow you to automatically publish out as an application, um, an interactive application to, uh, to iOS and Android. Um, that's great for sort of the, the large publishers who have lots of content. Um, but what we want to be able to do is to enable individuals who are wanting to tell their stories to be able to create content within the the Morningstar application and then submit that content to the community. Uh, the community will vote, yeah, this is great stuff or this is not great stuff. And we hope the whole ecosystem will grow around uh, people uh, publishing their their adventures and their campaigns and telling their stories. And for those that are, you know, very popular within the community, those which people like, um, those get then run, uh, they can be submitted from the application into the story machine right back out to the application. Now they're fully interactive. Now they're fully cross-linked. Now they're actually available for sale in the store. And so now we have that process that can uh, turn the uh, creative, casual uh, adventure writer into someone who can a make some money, but more importantly, uh, can tell their story and get get the fans excited about it. Um, we think that's an awesome idea. Uh, we we really think that that's one of the things that has been lacking from a lot of the uh, the other applications that are out there. Certainly from the uh, the uh, large publishers is the ability to 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 leverage the the community to tell great stories. Um, now. That doesn't mean that um, they all have to be uh, Pathfinder stories. And, you know, one of the reasons we're looking at different systems is also to pr- 
provide uh, content writers with a, a way to to kind of work within their 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 favored genre, or their favored rule system. But my take is, and and there's probably a lot of people like it. Is you know, I started writing adventures uh, for the white box set. I written AD and D adventures, uh, Savage World adventures, Call of Cthulhu adventures, Traveler adventures. Those adventures can actually be played in any system. Most of the work that I do is not specific to um, requiring that the orc statistics be something particular. It's more important that it's an orc um, and that I can tweak the orc and make the orc mine. Um, and so I think that that people will find as they kind of get used to uh, working with the forge, they'll be able to really tell the story they want to tell. And the system will probably be less important than the story they're trying to tell. I do think one thing that is maybe holding people back from kickstarting Morningstar is the fact that when they see the Pathfinder label, they read everything. Like, I read everything, and I was like, this sounds cool. I definitely want to get an adventure published on here and everything, but I don't play Pathfinder. Um, You know, I don't have anything against it, but I don't know a lot of other people who play it. It's not what I play at my table. Uh, And I guess what I'm wondering is, is there a chance that before the end of the Kickstarter, you guys might be releasing some more information? I feel like that may help you get more people on board to donate, because it sounds like if you're getting all these companies on board, they need to get their people and their players on board as well to donate to you guys. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I agree with all of those statements. Um, we would love to have some announcements. Um, obviously, uh, from the time we started working with uh, with uh, Wizards before we had a contract was you know almost a year. Um, a lot of places are much faster than that, being small companies. But it does take time, mm-hmm. um, and so we will announce things as we can announce things. I think it's important that people realize that that's a goal. And that's something we're working towards. So it's not an afterthought. It's not, a, oh yeah, we would like we'd like to do this if we have time. Yeah, that is that is a a, a stated goal of uh, what we're trying to accomplish. And as Rachel said earlier so eloquently, um, you know, we're going to do it the right way, and we're going to make sure that we, we've got everything uh, uh, agreed to. Everybody knows what 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 we're uh, what we're trying to accomplish and what's needed. So um, it's not something that can happen overnight. You know, it's the holidays. It's um, yeah, quick starters are very fast. So, um, yeah, I think I think that uh, we're doing what we can, and we hope to have some announcements out there um, before the end of the Kickstarter. And also, you know, something to keep in mind is that we we heard about our our termination at the end of October. So we we really have put this together in a month, month and a week. Mm-hmm. So. Um, those con- those conversations and those relationships just take time to form, and uh, we've been working our butts off getting them to happen. And, and things are definitely starting to move, and they're starting to happen. And we did announce this week our partnership with Exploding Rogues, Rogue Studios. So Brian Patterson and Tracy Barnett, they're awesome. We we met Brian at Gen Con, and he was a big time supporter of the app, and he was just like when can I have everything that I need on my iPad? Like, that's amazing. And so we partnered with him. They just had their really successful Carthoon Kickstarter. Uh, so Carthoon will be featured as an agnostic system or an agnostic um, setting, rather, in Morningstar. So 
hopefully by the time Morningstar comes out with the Forge and everything in, in July, um, you can have Carthoon and you can play it with a PRD system, uh, XYZ system. The, I almost said something, I'm not going to say it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you can take Carthoon and you can put it into whatever rule system you want to put it into. But we're announcing another exciting partnership tomorrow um, with Mike Schley. So Mike Schley is going to be designing all of the map tiles for Morningstar. Whoa. Oh, I get the uh, cartographer reference now. Oh, it all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Got it. Well, congratulations, guys. That is awesome. We, we also met Mike at Gen Con, and he was just delightful. We sat around and had martinis, and Chris and Mike were just like, well, what if you made the tile set into JPEG? What, how many inches is it? What, what centimeter? I mean, they just totally went to Geek Central together. So Mike is amazing and we're really really excited about that partnership i'll be able to build maps then in this app as well as you know tell a story bring in all the rules set up a combat i'm going to be able to build my own map as well is that what you're saying using map tiles i sure am saying that james yeah i mean uh, have you ever seen a dungeon without a map (laughs) yeah that's a very good point so yeah the idea yeah the idea is that we want to be able to uh to again integrate the map in the map is already integrated into the uh, tracking system, so the DM can see the map. Uh, they, they they can share the map with their players, um, and uh, the map is a pretty central piece of the story. And so, what we want to be able to do is, for those of us who are cartographically challenged, um, provide a way to make very good-looking maps that can be printed. Um, to, for tabletop play, they can be used as you know part of the adventure. They can be shared, um, and that they have a nice, consistent look and feel. Um, there is a uh, you know this is a project that 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 uh, we've been talking about for a while, and Mike is very excited about joining us. You don't need to be. Uh, I use campaign cartographer uh, to write draw my maps, and they still look terrible because you still have to have a lot of inherent artistic skill to to be able to use the product and get something that looks nice oh yeah Uh, give me tiles any day yeah and so what we want to do is make something that's very simple and very extensible that can people can quickly put together a map that looks looks good and can be used and you i'm sure you know mike's work and it's just absolutely gorgeous so um you know getting the, the 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 best cartographer out there on the project was was very exciting for us and looking forward to, to seeing what all that uh, produces in the next year. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, guys, I got to hit you with a, with a question that I'm sure you know is coming and you've probably had to answer in every interview since you've launched. Uh, $425,000 is what you're looking to raise for your Kickstarter. Uh, what are you spending $425,000 on? Um, well, I mean, <clears throat> you got to think we've already spent a million. So, um, you know, <laughs> A uh, good software is, is is not cheap to make, and so uh, we have uh, obviously we have a publishing platform uh, that is you know, a commercial grade used by real companies to build real products type of a of a system, and uh, we're taking that exact same approach in putting together the the application that we're building uh, for role playing. And it's an incredibly complex app. One of our designers, he's uh, an award-winning designer. He was uh, a big-time guy at 
at Dell, who's now on our team, uh, looked at the project when we first started talking about it and said, this is more complicated than anything we've ever built at Dell. Um, and uh, not just from the game rules standpoint, but from the interactive uh, UX, UI uh, perspective in making it actually uh, work well. And so I think one of the things that most people don't understand is to make something simple takes a lot more work than to make something that is just functional. And so we're looking for something that is very simple, uh, very attractive to people who are tablet users who are going to get the kids involved, uh, who are going to get people who are maybe not uh, used to uh, to role-playing involved. And we're also going to try to satisfy those of us who want to tweak every number down to the last the last digit. And so the the scope and the complexity of the task in putting together the ability not only to uh, roll up characters and manage adventures, but also to publish uh, adventures, publish campaigns, uh, have them all uh, automatically interlinked uh, and loaded into the store. I mean, there's just an, an enormous amount of complexity. Um, <clears throat> we're talking about a, a system that works across uh, multiple platforms uh, through a cloud-based interface. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's not just the old character generator that I wrote on punch cards back in high school. Um, this is a, a real commercial grade application designed and developed by people who do this for a living. So it's expensive. Um, and um, I guess I'm somewhat fascinated by the fact that people are worried about being expensive. Um, <laughs> people don't ask how much does, did it cost to build the iPad? They care about what does the iPad cost me? And is it the coolest thing? Is it the best in, uh, tablet out there? And so, you know, I'm, I, I'm, it's, it's, I guess, a, just a curiosity that I would think people would be more interested in. You know, what's it going to cost me to uh, to buy the Morningstar app, and is it going to be the coolest thing possible? And not, uh, you know, obsessed with the fact that uh, four hundred twenty five thousand dollars seems like a lot of money um, coming from a corporate IT. Uh, background, $425,000 is, is not that much money when it comes to building a commercial grade software. So um, I don't know. Does that, does that answer your question, James? Or, you know, is it something? Yeah, I think it's more a question for the community at large. Um, when we did our podcast last week, John Fisher, who is a physicist at the University of Pennsylvania and does a lot of coding on his own for his projects and everything, he's a doctoral candidate. Um, he really went into why this would cost this much. And that seems to, uh, be in line with what he said. And I know that, uh, when you need a lot of people to do something, it takes a lot of money, um, because people don't work for free and good people certainly don't work for free. I think one of the big questions out there is people think that the project was close to done and ready to launch, um, before you and Wizards, you know, uh, pulled the plug on the 5e deal, as it were. So I think people are wondering, are, are you rebuilding the product from the ground up? Why is it, quote unquote, so much money to change over now to this new rule set? But it sounds like not only has the, the rule set sort of changed, your vision and what you're building has changed a little bit. Is that correct? Well, I, so first of all, we're not starting over from the beginning. Um, that would be 
suicide. Um, we are building on what we've already put together, and we've we've got a very strong product um, already in in place. Um, the the two things that that really we're asking the money for first is we are pulling out the fifth edition rules and putting in the PRD rules. Um, we built the system, uh, the expert system that runs the game engine to be extensible, um, but it was mostly to be extensible in, in rules we expected to be forthcoming on fifth edition. So there is some work to, to be done to pull out the fifth edition rules and put in the PRD rules. Um, and that's got to be done, of course. Um, all of the, uh, the tweaks on the interface have to be done across all the platforms. So we're supporting, you know, uh, iOS, Android, and web across a number of different uh, form factors. So there's quite a bit of design work that needs to be done there. Um, that, however, is not the major chunk of the money. The major chunk of the money is to take what was going to be a, I'm going to consume adventure content, and I'm going to allow people to tweak it, but... You know, they're not going to be able to tweak it that much um, to something that people can actually build and publish applications. And that is a lot of work because now you've got to make uh, the process of getting the content, uh, your, 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 your campaign uh, into a format that can easily work within the application. It has all the links have to be automated. Uh, all of the work that has to be done. Uh, to make that a consumer level product that we would be comfortable releasing um, is, 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 is a large amount of, of the chunk of change that we're asking for. So um, yeah, to a certain extent, our vision has expanded. Uh, it's not that it's different than what we originally envisioned, but we can now fully realize everything we wanted the product to be back in the very beginning when, when, when we dreamed it up. So the really, what to me is the really unique thing, this whole, you're able to go in and craft adventures and tweak stuff down to the last number, that is a big add-on to what was already going to be this very grandiose vision, and that's why you need the money. Yep, yep, that's exactly why uh, we need the money to uh, to do that that piece of the puzzle. Um, we have the, the schedules already laid out, personnel's already in place, and we know what it's going to cost. Uh, I've and been we building. Know it's going to take right. That's an, that's another big thing I think to to focus on just for a moment. Like we we we're not going to be one of the kickstarters that says, "Hey, we're going to give you this in July," and then it's 2017 and we still haven't developed it. Um, I've, I, I'm shocked at how many people have had that experience with kickstarters, especially in the tabletop and board game um, community. So. Um, we know what it's going to take. We know how much it's going to cost. We have the people in line to do it and we're going to get it done by April and then July for the, for the forge. forge. Yeah, I I think that that, that's a good point. Um, I've been building software for decades and I know how long it takes and I know what the process is and I know how much it costs. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to go into the nuts and bolts with, with anyone on 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 what we're doing, and I think uh, in the end, the question people need to ask is: Is this going to be the coolest product ever? And you know, what's it going to cost me? And if it took Trapdoor twenty million dollars to build, I'm not sure anyone would really care. Um, it's just a matter of what's what's the end result. What's what what does it do for me? We're Coming up about the the halfway point by the time this podcast airs, we'll actually be a little bit past your halfway point on the Kickstarter. Do you guys 
think that you will make your goal, and what happens if you do not? Um, yeah, I think so. I, I've run Kickstarters before. Um, you know, there's many different um, trigger events that would uh, push us up to the goal that we're looking at. Um, we've seen very steady uh, adoption, and as we announce more partnerships, people are getting you know excited because their their little uh, corner of the world is being included in the in in the story. So I think that we're going to continue to build momentum, and I think that the thing that 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 hopefully will push people over the edge is we're trying to uh, take a quantum step up from what's available now, mm-hmm. and if the Kickstarter doesn't doesn't happen, if we, if we don't build this product. Um, it's going to be a couple more years before a product comes out that can do this. Um, and I, I, I thoroughly am absolutely convinced that it will exist at some point in time. The question is, do you want to wait another couple of years to get there? And I think that once people sort of understand that, that there's <clears throat> the point of Kickstarter is to uh, put your, put your money out there on things that are going to change the world, change the, change your hobby, change the way you do things. And uh, you're not just buying product off a shelf. You can go to a store and do that. You're investing in a vision. And I think once people kind of buy into uh, the vision, they get more, you know, sort of details on 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 what's what's going on, and really think about what's happening. I think we're going to get a lot of uh, a groundswell, and I, and I certainly hope we make our our uh, our goal for the Kickstarter. Now, if we don't, uh, and you know, we live in the real world. Things do not always work out uh, like you expect. You know, everybody says, oh, you go from A to B in a straight line. Well, anyone who has worked in startups knows there is no straight line. Uh, Even on a daily basis, there is no straight line. Um, You're continuously zigging and zagging to get where you want to get. So uh, can I guarantee you 100% that we'd say, oh, we're going to do a new Kickstarter. We're going to lower the cost and we're going to uh, cut back on the features so that uh, we can make the money. No, I can't can't tell you that we're going to do that. And I also can't tell you that we're not going to do that. Um, You know, it's all about um, making the right decision with the information that you have. And so if we get to January 4th and we don't have uh, our Kickstarter uh, we'll do what we always do: dust ourselves off and say, "Hey, what do we get? Where do we go from there?" Um, but it's a risk, and I, and I really, you know, encourage people who are on the fence. One of the the, the things that I just don't get, um, although it seems to be very common, is um, well, I don't want to back the Kickstarter because it might not go off. Well, if it doesn't go off, you haven't lost anything. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't understand you know, that either. <laughs> uh, what, what's what's kind of keeping you from from throwing the money down if it's a product and a vision that you believe in? Um, and so I think that um, hopefully word of mouth that shows like yours, support from other vendors and stuff, will get the word out and we'll, we'll continue to to ramp up and, and continue to accelerate on the the Kickstarter. So we don't have to have that, that uncomfortable January 5th discussion of, of where to go next. But um, I'm not giving up on role-playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've been role-playing for 40 years. Uh, I'm an incredibly stubborn person. Uh, our investors are very stubborn people. Um, they've made their money uh, by building companies that are successful and uh, not folding it at, at the first sign of, of adversity. So, um, you know, We'll do what we have to do, but I think the uh, the message I want to get out there is embrace what Kickstarter is all about, and you know really think about: Do you want to be still using PDFs? 
and uh, you're lugging your laptop and a couple of books and, oh yeah, this and that and the other thing that, 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 that aren't integrated in the solution, or do you want to walk into the game with your iPad and know you're ready to go and that you're going to have an experience that's, that's maybe 10%, maybe 20% more uh, efficient than it was before. So I think that that's the, that, that's the message I guess I would uh, send off to people. Uh, if I could, if I had an absolute answer, I'd give it to you, James, but um, that's the best I can do at this point. I think that's a great answer, Chris. So, uh, you know, I think it, it shows that you are putting a little more thought into this than I think some people on the internet are giving you credit for, but that's the internet. Oh, <laughs> That's so let me ask you guys one final question then if backers who are out there want to get more support they want to help you get that last minute ground swell what can they do to help out so one of the things that we're we're experimenting with is a service called thunderclap and i don't know if you're familiar with it but it's basically if, if you've got twitter or facebook or tumblr and you go to our thunderclap page and we've linked it on our twitter it's linked in a couple of our our kickstarter updates as well if you go on there by next Monday um, and we get 100 supporters, then Thunderclap will send out a huge blast on Monday to everyone in whoever has supported in all of their social networks. So it creates this huge like 20,000-person groundswell. So that would be a great way for people to kind of come and support us. Other than that, um, we found that word of mouth is still the best way to to spread the news, uh, certainly posting about it on your Facebook page or sharing it on Twitter, sharing it with your gaming groups, sharing it with your family members, maybe with your friends who you play board games with. Maybe you've never played a role-playing game, but you want to get into it, and this seems approachable to you because you're 27 and you know how to use a damned tablet. That's kind of been my experience of role-playing. So um, it's really accessible to me because I know how to use a tablet and I don't have to have all the books and I don't have to have all the stuff. So, um, for people like that, that's, that's a group of people that we're really interested in talking to and getting involved more in the process. Um, people on our team come from a much more, uh, larger scale marketing and advertising sensibility. So, um, we're using some of those ideas to get people involved and, and we want people to be excited about Morningstar when they're talking to their friends about it. I mean, there's, there's enough speculation and um, negativity on the internet for everyone in the world times 12. So (laughs) instead of that, we're trying to just kind of change the conversation and be like, you know, Hey, I backed them. I send the five second video of myself saying I backed them and I get a free t-shirt so I can, I can be a part of the campaign. I can be a part of the process and, um, we're going to do something cool with those videos. We're just trying to think of new ways and different ways to involve the community and really to show them that we're here for them. And, um, we're listening. I mean, really we are. And I think you said it earlier, James, like we, when you heard about the forage pricing and all that stuff, we have spent a lot of time agonizing over what's going to be the best thing to do for everyone. And we finally come to it. And we did that because a lot of role players have had such a terrible experience with subscription models. Um, ton, I mean, I'm, we, I can just leave it there. I don't even need to go into details, <laughs> but <laughs> You know, there's there's still a lot of leftover feelings about that. So that was something that I was able to gather from my interactions around the community and bring back to Chris and 
the de- design team and say, this is really a big deal. Like we can't do this. If we're here for the community, if we're here for the, the role-playing community, we can't, we can't go down the road that's already failed. So we have to find something new. So for people that want to want to help spread the word, just do exactly that. Spread the word. If you go to a local game store, we're gonna we're gonna have an update soon about um, our proprietors guild program, which is an active way of involving local game stores in the Morningstar effort. So, if you go to a local game night, talk to your guy at the the owner of the store. You know, get them involved. Send me his email address. We love talking to people. You know, we're, we're just. We're willing to do whatever it takes in in the next three weeks or the next two weeks to get things really moving. And we're willing to do whatever it takes after that too, I think, which Chris made pretty clear. I mean, we're 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 deep into this. I mean, this is not something that we're just kind of doing. All right. So where can people find you, Rachel? Um, I'm not giving you my home address because that doesn't seem <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah. uh, on online online where might they be able to uh, uh, send you praise and and comments and things and like videos that. of themselves but yeah just just saying that you just saying that you backed the Kickstarter. Um, <laughs> Um, so I, I have my own Twitter handle, hobo underscore delight, um, on Twitter, which is just me. It's mostly pictures of food and, and like geeky Star Wars stuff. Um, other than that, in terms of this campaign and everything involved with it, uh, CN underscore Morningstar is our Twitter handle. But if you follow Dungeonscape, you automatically get to follow Morningstar because we just had to change the name. Uh, our Facebook page is still under Dungeonscape because Facebook does not like to allow you to switch your page the name. Worst, they're the it's worst. The worst. <laughs> we had to send them a, a like a lighting bill from Chris's house to get them to change it to Morning or to Dungeonscape. So um, we're still on Facebook as Dungeonscape. Uh, and we're in the forums, uh, here and there. We're mostly just posting updates in the forums now. Um, but we're still there and also on Reddit and email support at trapdoor technologies. You can always get a hold of me there pretty much everywhere we can be. That's great. And if you're interested in supporting the Kickstarter, the link is, of course, in the show notes for this episode at thetomeshow.com. Or you can go to Kickstarter and just search for Codename Morningstar, and it will immediately pop up. Um, And Chris Matney, where can people find you? I'm usually in my office behind my my computer <laughs> typing away. Um, uh, no, I, I I think that uh, I, I'm I'm infinitely reachable through Rachel, and uh, you know I'm doing a lot of a lot of calls with a lot of folks right now, and I'd love to hear from uh, uh, game publishers. Uh, obviously, we're looking for uh, you know people who have systems. We're also looking for folks who are uh, interested in providing content, and uh, I think. Uh, Folks that also have a uh, you know sort of ancillary technology that are interested uh, should get get a hold of us. But uh, Hobo the delightful is the uh, the key key contact to do that. I am uh, I'm too old to be too much into social media. So <laughs> Chris does have a Twitter account, uh, but he kind of checks it maybe once every two weeks and then there's like a flurry of activity and then it's gone again. So well, thank you very much for coming on the roundtable today. Thanks for having us again, James. I mean, this is my first time on the show, so thank you for having me on the show and and thanks for 
thanks for your continued support and interest in what we're up to. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's been really awesome to work with you and and we look forward to doing more of it all right and people if you have a question or topic you'd like to hear us discuss on the round table reach out to me on twitter at james intracasso that's at j-a-m-e-s-i-n-t-r-o-c-a-s-o or you can leave us a comment on the tome show's website thetomeshow.com and a quick shameless plug for me check out my blog which is all about exploration age it's the fifth edition world that i am it's at worldbuilderblog.com. Okay, everyone, thanks for listening. Our theme music, which you are listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetoneshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. And if you like the show, please rate The Tone Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to The Roundtable.